Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren. I am the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast. I'm currently nursing a Brickworks Cider House Rosé Cider and uh, watched the hockey film Goon over the weekend. So I'm going to take some time to review that. And also update the latest on the Bruins' efforts to pay game day employees, which is a bit weak to say the least. Before I get into all that, I'd like to remind you that my name, I already told you, is Ian McLaren. You can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. The podcast can be found on all podcast applications, such as Apple. Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts. Apple users, if you can leave a rating and a review, that would be very much appreciated. So a big talking point on the podcast last week was Jeremy Jacobs and Delaware North and their apparent uh, reluctance to offer payment to TD Garden employees during this NHL pause slash cancellation slash whatever you want to call it on uh, Saturday, I guess it was, or was it Friday? Yeah, Saturday. The Bruins released a statement saying the Jacobs family has established a $1.5 million fund for the Boston Bruins and TD Garden part-time game day associates who will be financially burdened if the six remaining regular season Bruins games are not played. We thank our associates for their patience and understanding while we work through the complexity of this unprecedented situation. Now, my first reaction was it's about time. And I, along with many of you, came back to that word if the six remaining regular season games are not played. So to me, that reads as things are kind of on hold until the NHL season is officially canceled, at which time the Bruins would step up and pay staff for those lost games. Uh, I turn now to an article by Marissa and Jemmy, who was on the podcast on Friday, who offered some great insight. She's been in contact with several TD Garden employees, and she reminds us that the release did not include a payment plan or timeline for when employees will be paid saying only it is contingent on the final six games of the NHL regular season being officially canceled. Quote, a co-worker sent me a screenshot of the social media post of their statement. They haven't contacted us at all. This according to one employee uh, who Marissa spoke to on Saturday. The Bruins confirmed workers had not been contacted directly, and a team spokesman told the Herald, The TD Garden is communicating to the relevant union leadership and individual associates will receive communication if Bruins games are officially canceled. So uh, that means that these people are pretty much in limbo at the moment. Uh, The games have not officially been canceled. Therefore, they're not being paid for, you know, each home game that passes that is on the schedule, which is really unfortunate. Another employee said, I am just so embarrassed about this because I didn't even find out from Delaware North. I found out through a text group from work. Most of us work at TD Garden full time, which means every concert, every Celtics game, every Bruins game, 
It's embarrassing that we might get paid for only six events if and only if they get canceled. Um, Delaware North employees in other cities are also unsure of how or if they will be compensated. Uh, the Red Wings and Pistons for, pledged to pay their employees, but the language left out Delaware North food and beverage workers at Little Caesars Arena, where the teams play. We've mentioned here on the podcast before that Delaware North owns a number of arenas, hospitality outlets around the States. And, you know, Little Caesars um, sent out a note on Friday about how to apply for unemployment to those workers who are technically uh, under the employ of Delaware North, not the Red Wings or the Pistons. Uh, The Buffalo Sabres, as we talked about last week, they previously released a similar statement indicating they would pay employees upon cancellation of the season. Then on Friday, the Sabres parent company laid off all arena staff. Uh, TD TD Garden workers continue to express similar fear of being laid out uh, outright, saying, I guess we will continue to wait with our pennies for unemployment. Um, So yeah, nice that Delaware North finally acknowledged the situation that Jacobs and family said they'll compensate their workers if these games are canceled. But that if is a major, uh, yeah, major, what would you call it? Contingency that should not be there. Uh, They should just step up, pay the employees for every game that is, missed right now and you know if they do come back and games are played then just pay them for those games as well like people can't go this long without paychecks being in limbo and jacobs and his family certainly have enough money to cover the wages for these people even if they have to double up like just do the right thing be empathetic in these times go above and beyond and don't continue to show yourself to be a stingy ass as you have in the past. That's my plea to Jeremy Jacobs and his family. Please just do the right thing. Take out the ifs and the buts and just pay your employees. If you've been a listener of this podcast for some time, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Boston Bruins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Bruins fans, just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Local fans love to support local businesses, especially during these trying times. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Let's move on now to some lighter fare, and I mentioned that I spent some time over the weekend re-watching the movie Goon, which is a great hockey movie. If you haven't seen it before, it stars Sean William Scott, Jay Baruchel, Leah Schreiber, Alison Pill, Marc-Andre Gaudrondin, and Kim Coates as well as Eugene Levy, who you might know from Schitt's Creek, and from a lot of things, really, SCTV, American Pie. 
It was directed by Michael Douse and written by Jay Baruchel and Evan Goldberg. Evan Goldberg, you might know as Seth Rogen's partner. Uh, the film concerns the exceedingly nice but somewhat dim-witted Doug Glatt, who unexpectedly finds personal and professional fulfillment after becoming the enforcer for a minor league hockey team. The movie was made in uh, 2011, officially released in theaters in 2012, uh, the budget at $12 million only made a $7 million at the box office, so a bit of a loss there. But it found some life uh, in video and on Netflix and warranted a sequel, which I have not yet seen, uh, which I will watch maybe for next week's Movie Monday segment, if that's a thing that continues. What you need to know off the bat is that this movie is based on a true story, and it is based on the story of a guy named... Doug Smith, who was born December 27th, 1964. He's a retired minor league ice hockey player who co-authored a biography about his time spent playing pro hockey, which is called Goon, the true story of an unlikely journey into minor league hockey. Uh, He played, uh, let's see here, from 1988 to 1998 in the ECHL, NBSHL, whatever the hell that is, uh, racking up uh, an average of 6.73 penalty minutes a game over 60 games as a pro. So obviously known as a uh, face puncher, and he wrote this book, which was eventually developed into a movie by Jay Baruchel and Evan Goldberg. Uh, Interesting note that I didn't know, uh, Smith worked as a coach within the Boston Bruins organization, apparently showing players how to defend themselves. I'm not sure exactly when that happened, but that's on his Wikipedia page, so it has to be true. Right now, I guess he's a police officer in the Hanson Police Department, which is a town in uh, Massachusetts on the South Shore. Goon, for those of you who haven't watched it, Doug Glatt is a security guard in Orangetown, Massachusetts. He's bouncing at a bar one night when he sees Ross Ray uh, engage in a stick-swinging incident that leads to a 20-game suspension. And uh, Doug Glatt later goes to watch a game in his hometown. An enforcer on the visiting team utters a homophobic slur and comes into the stands after Doug Glatt uh, tells him to basically shut up, punches him, drops him with one punch, and as a result, he's offered a tryout with uh, his hometown team, wherein he pretty much beats up the whole team and actually kicks a player with his skate, meaning uh, he might be a candidate to play for the Edmonton Oilers sometime soon. A side storyline revolves around a player named Xavier Laflamme, who was a former second overall pick, I assume in the NHL, and who was concussed early in his career, came back, was very tentative, couldn't find his game, and was subsequently sent down to the minors to play for the Halifax Highlanders. Um, So that's, I don't really know who that player is based on, but you can see when he's in the minors, he really gets involved with um, drugs kind of uh, playing the field, if you know what I mean, and getting into some trouble. I've heard that's loosely based on 
an NHL player, also from Quebec, who currently plays for the Canadians, used to play for the Lightning, but I don't know if that's true. But um, take that as you will. Now, the hockey in this movie is actually fairly realistic. That's one thing that I have a big problem with in terms of hockey movies is just the the level of play is pretty poor. And uh, this one actually has some nice uh, hockey sequences. And Xavier Laflamme, who is played by uh, Marc-Andre Grandet, uh, he actually has some pretty sweet uh, dangles that I don't know if it's actually him or if it's a, a double that's in there. But uh, yeah. It's actually pretty pretty realistic, and, and that's something that I appreciate about the Goon movie. Um, now, Doug Glatt, he's asked early on in his tenure with this team why he likes to do what he does. He said he likes to stand out for his team, but uh, he's not treated like a real player. And that's kind of the tension that we see over and again throughout the movie is the fact that Doug Glatt is there to serve a purpose. He's there to punch faces. He's there to be an enforcer. He's there to protect La Flamme. But he's not really seen early on as a real hockey player or part of the team. Now, something that is evident in Goon is that this is a portrayal of kind of a bygone era. You don't really see those kind of goons in the NHL today. In fact, the penalty minutes leader for the NHL prior to the break was Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks. He has 122 penalty minutes, and you know he's more known more as a scorer. He is an agitator out there, uh, per se, but he has 26 goals in 64 games. Not really what you would expect an enforcer to be as a uh, you know 0.73 point per game player. If we look back to the beginning of the shootout era, we see that the uh, leader is Chris Neal. He played 804 games between 2005-2006 and whenever he retired. And he racked up 1,950 penalty minutes in 804 games with a 0.26 point per game average. You see guys like Cody McLeod, Scott Hartnell, Dion Phaneuf, Derek Dorsett, Jared Bull, Dan Crisillo, our own Zdeno Charles up there, Colton Orr. These guys are, uh, I think of Orr, Carcillo, Bull, Dorsett specifically. Those are guys that were known more as uh, pure enforcers, just kind of sent out there to mix it up, get under the opposition's skin, and ultimately uh, drop the gloves. And so, you know, Glatt is kind of a... Uh, callback to that former era this movie was made in 2011 like i said but um it was kind of more uh, yeah hearkening back to that kind of goon era that was prevalent in the nhl as we move through the movie we see that la flamme really has zero respect for for his team for doug glatt uh la flamme at one point is seen spitting on the um, logo in the middle of the locker room. He later walks on it as everyone else goes around. We know that's a huge faux pas. Um, Glatt, for some reason, is given power play time at some point as a net front presence. While Laflamme is held on the bench, which is a source of contention for sure. Shows that Glatt is willing to do whatever it takes to help the team. He actually gets a butt goal for the game winner. While Laflamme is not happy to 
uh, not have received the pass that uh, was banked off Glatt's ass into the net. The coach goes a meeting afterwards with Laflamme and Glatt, and Laflamme is released of his duties as the assistant captain, and that A is given to Doug. So he's starting to get a bit more respect as a hockey player, as an influence on the team, as a leader on the team. At one point, Eugene Levy, who plays Glatt's father, he raises the issue of concussions. Uh, He says, uh, sorry, Doug responds by saying, I'm stupid. For once in my life, I'm actually part of something. I'm strong. I can protect people. You know, throwing all logic aside, he's willing to do whatever it takes to help his team, even if they don't immediately respect him or see him as really that much of a hockey player. Uh, And then Levy, 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 he comes back and says, well, you might as well just go back to being a security guard because all you're doing is kind of punching faces and laying down the law. Um, His friend, however, who is played by Jay Baruchel, he's extremely proud and it kind of shows the tension that exists in regards to fighting in hockey. Uh, On one hand, you have um, people who are concerned about head injuries, people who are concerned about the kind of barbarianism that's on display in hiding and fighting in hockey. And then you have those who get a rise out of it, who see some value in it and who appreciate uh, guys like Glatt who are willing to get out there and mix it up and yeah, just make an impact on the ice. Um, La Flamme in a scene shortly after the one with Eugene Levy, he says, um, Glatt is nothing. He's not a hockey player. And that leads us to a game that's played in Quebec against the Victoires. If you look closely, you can see that on the scoreboard, it says MTS Center. The Goon movie was filmed in Brandon, Manitoba, Portage, La Prairie, Manitoba, and also in Winnipeg, where the MTS, of course, is now home to the Jets. Um, in that game, Glatt kind of lets down his guard for a moment and Laflamme is concussed by an opposition's team's uh, enforcer. Glatt does retaliate with a fight, which culminates in a headbutt and a one-game suspension, which is a bit hilarious because it's a very NHL for that uh, kind of um, action to receive such lenient consequences, if you will. Um... And then that leads into a pretty pivotal scene in the movie where uh, Doug is in St. John's. Uh, He's suspended, but he's still with the team. And uh, his Highlanders are set to play the St. John's Shamrocks, who feature Ross Ray, uh, who again is played by Liev Schreiber. And in that scene, Ross Ray says, everybody loves a soldier until they come home and stop fighting. Uh, He goes on to say, People only want to see him bleed. Um, And he says, don't try to be a hockey player. It'll just break your heart. Um, You know, he's no good to anybody doing anything else other than trying to fight, despite the fact that he scored that power play goal, which was a game winner earlier on. Um, Now, in the final game of the season where a playoff spot was on the line, for some reason, Doug Glatt is in a defensive zone face-off situation on the penalty kill with less than 35 seconds uh, remaining in the game. So that's 
a bit of an unrealistic part of the movie where uh, you wouldn't expect your face punching enforcer who's not very strong skater to be out there on uh, the the penalty kill in a late game situation but uh, that's how the story goes and he actually ends up saving a slap shot with his face to preserve the win uh, in the game so uh, good on him there sorry that wasn't the last game of the season that was his first game back following a suspension and uh, he really seemed to Gain Laflamme's respect a little bit there. Prior to that game, there was a a pretty funny scene where uh, Glatt and Laflamme, who uh, were roommates for some reason, and through the wall, Doug Glatt says, I think we both have a light in our stomachs, a special light like E.T., and the team needs somebody to light the way. My stomach light needs your stomach light. We can all phone home together. <laughs> That's a pretty pretty funny scene there. Um, so in the last game of the season, uh, Glatt is facing off against Ross Ray. This is a game between the Highlanders and the Shamrocks. There's coincidental minor penalties served between uh, Glatt and Ray. This was after Ray had kind of instigated a fight, causing Glatt to drop his gloves, and then uh, the fight was not engaged at that point, just getting Glatt to kind of take a penalty there. Um, then the two do drop the gloves and kind of face off at center ice. And, uh, it's a bit of a, you know, heightened fight wherein there's kind of three rounds where each player takes the other guy down. Ray says to the refs not to intervene. Um, Glatt ends up snapping his ankle, takes a punch, but still gets up and, uh, eventually takes Ross Ray out with a left hook. And um, I think the score in the game at that point was 2 nothing. So I don't know if it was a matter of score effects or the fact that the Highlanders had 39 shots in the game or the fact that Xavier Laflamme was clearly the best player in this league. But from that point on, the Highlanders, who I said were down 2 nothing, they uh, go on a run. Uh, Laflamme scores a natural hat trick. The Highlanders get the win and advance to the playoffs. And that's kind of how it ends with Doug Glatt in the locker room with his girlfriend. I didn't really touch on the love story in this one, but that's a side story uh, with Allison Pill playing the love interest and, um, you know, saying, I think I really uh, nailed him is what uh, the last word is. Uh, Ross Ray he did respect Doug Glatt. He, he really saw that he had something in him. And um, Ray was kind of at the end of his career. He was retiring after that game. Doug Glatt kind of coming in as the, he's not really young at that point, but uh, kind of taking that mantle from Ray. And uh, you could see that Ray, despite losing a tooth, despite bleeding out his face, despite dropping to the ice, uh, he had a bit of a smile on his face knowing that he was taken out by a worthy opponent. I have a bit of a personal connection with this movie because uh, when it first came out, like eight years ago now, I was an aspiring hockey writer and I had started my own kind of sports blog and I sat down to uh, review Goon and shared it on social media. Jay Baruchel saw the review and he said, wow, 
That was fucking awesome, man. You totally got our flick. That is a special review. Very much appreciated. And I actually tracked down the review, and uh, I'll kind of just share what I wrote back then because it's kind of similar to, I think, still how I feel about the movie. Uh, So I wrote, after months of anticipation, I was finally able to sit down and watch Goon. I hadn't watched it since, by the way. Well, it's been a while since I've checked out Slapshot, and I'm a fan of other hockey movies like Miracle and Mystery Alaska. This one is easily the best hockey movie of our generation and probably second all-time behind the story of the Chiefs. In case you don't know, Goon is the story of Doug Glatt, a misfit bouncer and a family of doctors who, while attending a local minor hockey game, is discovered after getting involved in a fracas in the stands with a member of the visiting team. Despite his less than stellar skills as a hockey player, his fighting ability lands him a job as the team's enforcer, and he's quickly called up to play for the Halifax Highlanders. Meanwhile, aging, legendary tough guy Ross Ray is sent to the minors after being suspended for a Marty McSorley-type incident. He also had severely concussed Glatt's new Highlanders teammate in the past, a highly skilled prospect named Xavier Laflamme. All of the above sets the table for the epic climactic showdown between the grizzled veteran and the eager newcomer. Uh, Here's a few bits that stood out for me. When Doug breaks out during the infamous fight in the stands, it's interesting to note that what sets him off was the usage of a homophobic slur. Doug, whose brother happens to be gay, takes exception to the repeated use of a word that is known to be common on the ice, sadly it still is, and just flat out drops the guy. Um, you know, there's been a lot lately, uh, there's been guys who have been suspended, fined for using homophobic slurs. Um, you can play is making waves in terms of promoting, promoting an environment where athletes should be judged on talent, heart and work ethic, not sexual orientation. Uh, it's no coincidence that Goon addresses the issue through Doug defending his brother in this way. While it would have been easier for them to simply feed into hockey player stereotypes by scripting in that language, it was cool to see Doug taking exception to it as opposed to directing it at others. And we see that throughout the movie that Doug really is a kind-hearted guy. Um, he respects women. He respects um, you know, his teammates, no matter uh, who they are and what they've been through. Another big theme is the issue of loyalty, which comes a lot up a lot in this movie, particularly in regards to the relationship between the enforcer and his team. When asked by the flam why he helps protect guys he doesn't even know, Doug responds by saying, they're my team, it's my job. And during the great diner scene that I talked about earlier, he tells Ray, if they need me to bleed, I'll bleed. Doug is flat out willing to do whatever is asked of him for the sake of his teammates. On the flip side, Ray reminds him that if he steps beyond himself and begins to believe that he's a bona fide hockey player, he's done. In other words, the moment he stops fighting and tries to get cute with the puck, he's rendered himself obsolete. Uh, we see that in the movie where Glatt uh, tries to defend an odd man rush instead of getting off the ice and just falls on his ass. Um, and it results in a goal against and and he's... Uh, you know, put it in his place by his coach afterwards. This highlights the dichotomy that exists wherein the enforcer displays great loyalty for the greater good of the team, but becomes wholly replaceable part when he's no longer willing or able to fulfill his role. And that's kind of where the movie 
gets off track for me where, you know, Glatt's given power play time. He's deployed on the penalty kill late in that game uh, with a, in a defensive zone faceoff situation. That's just there for the purpose of the story, but, you know, wouldn't really happen in real life. Um, Goon highlights the fact that teams can and do rally around an effective enforcer, on the other hand. Prior to Doug's arrival, the Highlanders took on the struggling, dead-in-the-water persona of their star player, and it was only when Doug started kicking ass, taking names, and having their backs that they began to rise up the ranks and challenge for a playoff spot. So while enforcers themselves are or were interchangeable, the role itself is depicted as irreplaceable. There will always be a need for a Doug Glatt, someone who is willing to lay it out on the line for the sake of his teammates, taking his literal lumps so that the real hockey players can shine. Again, that's something that has diminished, I think, in the eight years since the movie was released. I think it's something that is kind of picked up on in the sequel, which I said I haven't I haven't yet seen, but I hope to soon. And uh, I guess that movie will kind of pick up on this dying uh, enforcer's role that we see so uh, truly in the NHL right now. I can't think of one player who's like a real true enforcer whose only role is to punch faces and stick up for his teammates. Sadly, maybe Milan Lucic is seen as that kind of guy right now, but uh, he... Uh, just isn't. And we saw that in the Bruins season uh, when Emil Bemstrom bumped Tuka Rask, concussed him. There was no real uh, ramifications to that because the Bruins didn't really have a guy like that uh, aside from Brett Ritchie, and, and he didn't step up at the time for that. They do have Nick Ritchie right now. He fought a couple of times prior to the break. Zdeno Chara has always been willing to drop the gloves, but Neither of those guys are really enforcer types or or on the Bruins solely for that role. Um, Again, of course, there were some oddities in the movie that you wouldn't necessarily see in a nonfiction hockey event, such as a banner raising prior to retirement, which happened with Ross Ray. Although Chris Neal did have a Jersey retirement ceremony a couple years ago in Ottawa or the waving off of a linesman, even when one of the fighters had dropped to the ice a couple times. But I do have to say that Goon presents the look and feel of a true hockey experience, something that I said is rare in sports movies in general, particularly hockey movies. Sean William Scott brings this perfectly understated charm to the role that makes you want to root for him, although the glimpses that we get of his story may be too fresh to feature many of the off-ice issues that seem to plague enforcers later in their careers, um, like you know we've seen in the past with... Um, Derek Bugard, Rick Rippin, and Wade Bielak, who all uh, passed during the summer of 2011 um, and who are all kind of, yeah, those enforcer roles, suffering from CTE, as we found out later. Like I mentioned, Eugene Levy did bring up the issue of concussions, and I think it's something that is addressed in the sequel, but uh, that wasn't really focused on too much in this movie, and it's something that I think... um, obviously has become more of an issue in the years since back then I wrote overall goon is about as good as a hockey movie as you're going to find. Thanks to being co-written by uh, Jay Baruchel and Evan Goldberg, who are very talented guys. Um, I, I do recommend it. It's a great way to kill some time while waiting to find out when a new season will begin or if the season will resume. Um, it's hilarious. Cause I wrote this. Yeah. Back in the lockout 
of 2012 going into 2013. And it's something that I've watched now, uh, now that we're on a pause here. And like I said, I originally posted this review in July of 2012. And uh, about an hour after it was written, Jay Baruchel hit me up on Twitter with that really nice note. And I was uh, really appreciative of that and um, glad that he, um, yeah, resonated with my review and, and that I kind of uh, was able to talk about it in a way that kind of reflected what he was going for. So that is uh, my movie review of Goon. Uh, it's on Netflix up here in Canada. If you haven't seen it, I, I do recommend it. And I'll be checking out the sequel, um, yeah, maybe for next week with another Movie Monday segment coming up. I hope you all are doing well through this time of social distancing, self-isolation, and just general uncertainty. Uh, today is Monday, which is the beginning of a new normal for us where... March break happened last week. Schools closed for at least the next two weeks. We're anticipating it will be much longer than that. And so, um, yeah, we're all just in this together, trying to get through it. And uh, I hope that this podcast can bring some levity into your lives and just help us all to get through it. I said on Twitter on Sunday that, you know, it's a struggle to stay positive, but we're all in the same boat. This won't last forever, and it's okay to feel some big emotions through this time. Um, I encourage you all to check out the Locked On NHL podcast, Locked On Fantasy podcast, which are both ongoing uh, for some more hockey content. If you're uh, feeling the lack of hockey at the moment, again, this has been another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. And we will be back tomorrow with some more, yeah, NHL, pause, Boston Bruins content. Take care of yourselves, friends.